0: Welcome, everyone, to episode 182 of Some Like It, Scott. I'm your host, Scott Shelton. And on this week's episode, we have our first superhero movie of 2022, Matt Reeves' take on the Cape crusader of DC Comics, The Batman. But before we get to that, with me, as always, I have my co-host, Scott Harvey. Scott, you're wearing a lot of purple today, uh, which is near and dear to my heart. Uh, and, you know, maybe our, our guest's heart as well. Uh, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, well, on that topic, I will say that I didn't. I don't think I told you, Scott or Jay, but I uh, judged Williams' mock trial team last weekend, actually, their B team. Um, Wow, you
0: didn't tell us that. The less said about
1: that, the better. That's all I will say. But um, are they still as far as as why I'm uh, wearing purple today? Yeah, I think I maybe mentioned it in our last episode, but I am here in Asheville going to the Southern Conference tournament. Furman miraculously actually won a game, something that they rarely ever do. And this tournament, it seems like, um, last night. So they'll be playing again tonight in the semifinals. And who knows? Maybe the finals, but I'm not going to get too crazy with my my pipe dreams. But, yeah, I'm good. I saw the movie on Thursday, which is not something that I would normally do. But with being away this weekend, I knew I had to get it taken care of. So I went and saw it with all the diehards and the people dressed up in Batman. Nobody was dressed up. I'm just saying that. But um, it was, uh, it was no a full kits. Time. Yeah, no, no FKWs were in the house.
0: Yeah, well, how was how was the theater experience? This is something that I'm I'm like focusing more and more on as people come back to theaters and and lose their minds. You know, I had I thought I was going to have a bad theater theater for my viewing on Friday night, but was yours end up being okay or was it pretty rowdy or It wasn't know? rowdy
1: at all. Um, it, it again, for a Thursday night audience, it felt pretty normal. Like it felt like a pretty normal. Um, theater crowd for any movie really so um i had a few reactions to myself but uh you know nothing that was vocal or anything and nobody else in the theater did either i guess is what i'm saying um so it was it's was pretty normal you never would have known probably just as an outside observer that it was a thursday night premiere of this massive movie but that's probably just you know the winston-salem market um yeah being what it is as far as Movie fans. although I like to think there are you know more than average just because we do have such a great uh, independent theater and talent, so.
0: yes, as AMC has marked the Batman as an artisan film artisan folk, talk about yeah. how this is a a great independent film for mm. for your indie films to, to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, well, um you know, like I said, my theatrical experience was it ended up being good. I had one weird moment in the movie, which I was telling Jay about yesterday, which is honestly just one of the stranger, stranger crowd reactions to a moment in a movie that I've, I've honestly ever witnessed. Um, but I'll talk about that in a second. But overall, the, the worst part about it, though, for sure, was where the was the man to my left who decided to bring multiple dinners uh, to the theater and eat, and that was that was a fun time. Could have been worse. I was expecting it to be worse um, based on my initial sitting down and and taking uh full view of the circumstances around me but it it ended up being okay but jay we've you've been lurking in the background uh it wouldn't be a conversation about batman without our own countdown series co-host who covered three batman movies with us on the nolan countdown and our resident comic movie movie expert jay habib welcome back to the podcast how are you doing how was your first viewing of the batman
2: hey guys it's good to be back um Long time, not since No Time to Die. Um, and appreciate you calling me an expert, though that feels like maybe a little bit of a stretch. Um, you, I'm you, good. you get the e
0: better than either of us, probably. In so our world, yes, you are, you are the expert.
2: Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, my first viewing was good. It was fairly muted. Again, I didn't, I kind of expected there to be, to be more audience like outbursts, but then as the movie went on, I kind of understood why it didn't. Like, there wasn't really, not, there wasn't that much to like audibly like get hype about is what i will say um and as for my theater experience my last movie in theaters my last like big movie experience uh, not counting like a few empty showings i've done since was my no way home uh, experience which was just so bad because the uh, two people right next to me were talking the entire time and when i say entire i mean like no more than 30 seconds of silence at any point, except for the three minutes after I told them to shut the F up, Um, which I've also never done. Anyway, the point is this this was coming off of that and nothing could possibly be as bad as that. You know, a few side remarks, but overall I was like, this is great. If like every, you know, if like 99% of the theater could be this quiet every time, it'd be awesome, which was good because, you know, I really wanted to sink my teeth into this one. I've only been waiting for it for about five years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So now that you've been introduced, I'll say what my weird the- theatrical reaction was. So in the film, a mild, mild spoiler, although I don't think it's a-, a serious spoiler, to be honest, but the scene where Selena and Bruce kiss on like the top of the, I don't know, warehouse or like abandoned building or whatever the bat signal is on one hat, just the left half of my theater applauds. Just app- doesn't cheer, doesn't like make any vocal reactions, but they applaud. And I'm like, what is this reaction? I don't understand why you're applauding. And then, like, I kind of get it if you cheer, right? Like, but cool, you wanted it, great. But, like, applause? Yeah.
1: Exactly, though. It's like, you know, it's like on freaking Chuck Lorre sitcoms and stuff where they still have like audience tracks that play behind them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when characters kiss or whatever, that the character that the audience wants to get together. Sometimes yeah. you will hear that. Applause. I'm not saying that it is a rational response, but, it, you know, I guess it does make <laughs> well, that's sense. Well,
0: that's the row. audience track, um, though, right? That, that's just them piping audio in, in into the show. It's not
2: even a
1: real sure. reaction. But I assume that that was created by some audience somewhere at some point, but I don't know.
2: I mean, it feels more earned in those situations, usually, yeah. I feel like. I wouldn't say this, this one felt particularly earned.
1: Yeah. But maybe, uh, for that to be the one moment where you applauded.
2: Right? Yeah. Applauded, I mean, sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, the other one was, of course, when the DC Comics logo or whatever pops at the beginning and some pe- some people cheer and people, was a, another, another guy, yeah. the guy in the row in front of me screams Marvel's better. And I'm like, why? Why, why are you here? <laughs> like, If this is going to be a reaction, it's just this is the world we live in today. I don't know. Um Anyway, why don't we was actually get Hannah. He's, he's out better, of
2: line, but he's right. is what I reaction. mean,
0: I, Marvel wishes they they could make a movie as, as good as this. Um, on a regular basis. I mean, DC also wishes they could make a movie (laughs) on a regular basis, so there's that as well. But why don't we actually talk about what we came here for? Directed and co-written by Matt Reeves, The Batman stars Robert Pattinson as the titular world's greatest detective. Um, We'll get back to that later, maybe. Only a couple years into his tenure, wearing the cowl and still maturing into his role as Gotham's hero. The film opens on Halloween night where a mysterious new villain, played by Paul Dano, With only the self-given moniker of the riddler breaks into the gotham mayor's home and brutally murders him leaving coded clues and a message for the batman gcpd lieutenant james gordon played by jeffrey wright has a budding yet cautious relationship with the bat and lets him examine the crime scene leading the cape crusader along in an excoriation of gotham's corrupt elite along the way pattinson's bruce meets other famous anti-heroes of gotham And villains as well, such as Catwoman, played by Zoe Kravitz, the Penguin, played by Colin Farrell, allegedly, and Carmine Falcone, played by John Turturro. To avoid any spoilers, I'll stop there and go to our guest first. Jay, I'll start with hopefully what is an easy question. Was the five-year wait that you were just talking about for this new version of the Batman worth it? Or will we have to wait even longer for a return of truly great live-action portrayals of one of the most iconic comic book characters?
2: Scott, it was worth it. It was so worth it. Um, I almost could not have been happier. Uh, to me, this was easily the best Batman movie since the Nolan trilogy, which, again, isn't saying a whole lot, but like massive improvement. Also easily, to me, the most comic accurate depiction of Batman yet. You know, just to get into Robert Pattinson a little bit, I thought he absolutely killed it. Um I probably was one of those people who, I think the way I remember reacting when I heard he was announced, which I guess was four years ago now, was my instant reaction was like, ah, oh, there are like three people that I I would have rather seen than him, and then I saw a couple of Photoshop pictures of him like in the bat suit and as Bruce Wayne, and I was like, okay, maybe, and you know, here we were, and you know, it, it all absolutely lived up, and I'm sure we'll get into the elements of why, but. Yeah, I I could almost not have been happier. Um, You know, I I didn't I didn't make much like auditory noise while I was watching, but like inside, like definitely squealing a little bit. Um, There were a lot of really good moments, a lot of good call outs to some of my favorite comics. Um, And, you know, a good a good Batman detective story, which is what I was promised and what I got.
0: Scott, were you as happy as Jay
1: was? Yeah, I was, but I you know, I came into the movie with sort of a different perspective than Jay, you know, Jay talking about the five-year wait or whatever. I would have been fine if we'd never had another Batman movie again, to be honest with you. Again, when you do something like what Christopher Nolan did with the character and obviously we talked about all those movies during our Nolan series a couple of years ago. Um especially, you know, The Dark Knight, it's like there there is a part of me that's like, can you can you really do anything better than this? Can you like is there even a point in trying? to you know continue on with batman films when it feels like the definitive batman film number one in the in terms of the dark knight and trilogy series in terms of all the nolan films has already been made um and and like it's not like people have forgotten about the dark knight right or the nolan films it's not like they have like dissipated in the time since they have come out like it it is still as you know revered in our culture today all of those films are well to differing extents, but especially The Dark Knight again, um, are, are still revered to this day as you know it was when it came out. So, you know, I, I wasn't familiar with any of Matt Reeves's past work. Um, I mean, I'm familiar with him obviously, but I haven't seen any of the Planet of the Apes films that he directed or Cloverfield or any of that. Um, so i you know didn't really know what to make of him as director except knowing you know that those planet of the apes films are pretty well regarded but um but yeah so i didn't really know what to make of that but then you know robert pattinson gets cast right it's interesting casting you know they didn't just play it safe and put like you know i don't i can't really comment on Ben Affleck as Batman too much because I have only seen like Justice League. Like I didn't, I've never seen BVS still, so um, I, I, you know, I haven't seen like his, you know, big movie I guess as Batman. But um, it just feels like kind of a safe choice, right? Like they just put like a movie star in there um, and just kind of plugged him into the role of of Bruce Wayne, Batman. And I'm not saying he didn't do a fine job, um, but uh, Robert Pattinson is obviously more interesting casting. I mean he was a movie star at one point many years ago, but when he was doing the Twilight films, but obviously has strayed pretty far from that in recent years and done a lot of independent films. I mean, working with people like David Cronenberg um, and, uh, you know, a lot of auteurs, a- um, the Safdie brothers, obviously, he maybe his most iconic role prior to this was in, in Good Time, the Safdie brothers film. So, um, you know, he's really distanced himself from that. Um, that movie well, throwing star, shade guess, at
0: His yeah. most iconic role is Good Time sure. and not as Neil?
1: I think it, I, I still think it is, but yes. Anyway, um, he, he wasn't Tennant, that's true. Um, and now, you know, he, he is truly getting his chance to flex his movie star muscles again here in this role as Batman to some extent. Uh, but also this, you know, version of the character is almost like, He's channeling Edward Cullen again, right? From all the way back in the uh, the Twilight days. He's very moody. I mean, it doesn't take long into the movie before we start hearing this uh, Nirvana cover that plays a couple times during the, the movie on the soundtrack. And there's this you know ominous voiceover that basically sounds like it's out of an old film noir movie. Um, you know, some hard boiled like Humphrey Bogart, Sam Spade type thing um and you know that this is going to be something different and i was definitely on board for what it ended up you know most of the places that it ended up going you know when the when the initial reactions came out there were a lot of people that were like oh this is fincherian this is you know seven and zodiac or whatever and i'm always very skeptical of something like you know comments like that when they're applied to like a comic book movie right like it's like it's like people coming out and talking about freaking i don't know free guy or something and be like this is lynchian um it's just it's stuff like that i'm like okay are we sure about this are we really sure did, about this um, sorry did,
0: did someone actually call free guy lynch no 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 okay I, I, okay
1: but lynchian is an example of one that people overuse way too yeah, much when yeah. talking about it was like that i free guy was just the movie that came to my mind but i, I doubt anyone said it. About that. maybe about like eternals or something like that that was dropped but anyway yeah, um you know we're talking about true like classics and masterpieces in my mind when he mentioned seven and zodiac like two of my favorite films so i was a little skeptical but also just like oh this means it's going to be something different and it was right it's the world's greatest detective um it's it's the most you know crime thrillery of the batman films which is which is weird to say because the dark knight i mean what it did so well i think was that it was more of a michael mann style like 1v1 um you know battle between good and evil um, and less of a superhero movie. Um, But I think this movie does that in an even, maybe even in a more advanced way, again, with making it such a um, hard detective story, really, and, you know, a large part of what's driving the plot is Bruce is Batman and Gordon going around trying to solve these clues and riddles and everything that the Riddler has left around Gotham. And also, I think the other thing which is different is, There's no origin story or anything really. Uh, Now, I mean, we do go into the past, obviously, with where the story goes, but we don't have to watch Batman's parents die for the 20th time. Um, We don't have to, um, you know, again, just see all of the like backstory stuff that we know. Right. And again, I think that's that's the thing. Like he doesn't try to do what the Nolan films has already done. Right. Because, again, Batman begins to me like you are not going to do the Batman origin story better than they did it in that movie. So, you shouldn't even try. And they don't. This is, you know, year two um, is where they pick up basically with, with the character here. Um, so, he already knows Gordon. Like, we don't have to see them meet. Um, you know, the bat signals established, all that jazz. Um, and yeah, the, just the atmosphere of the movie is really great. That's the part that does feel like seven to me in particular. Like, the, I mean, just the griminess. Like, it's always raining, it's always just like yuck. Um, outside, like that is that is totally how you feel when you're watching Seven, and it just it like gives you that pit in your stomach that like I think Matt Reeves probably wants you to have because you know it's dark, right? The what the Riddler's doing is sick, right? This is not Jim Carrey, um, you know, twirling his hat or whatever he w- he was doing in Batman Forever. Like this is a serious, um, serious villain committing serious crimes again, more more like a serial killer than like you know a super villain with
0: not even like he is a serial killer i mean yeah um but yeah so
1: that stuff is really cool um i think the casting is just so on point in this movie like i think everybody with the exception of andy circus probably but that's more i think about the, the screenplay maybe but um it has a chance to be like the best person who has played their particular role. That includes Robert Pattinson as Batman slash Bruce. That includes Jeffrey Ryan as Commissioner Gordon. That includes Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. Um, I think everybody was just perfectly chosen for their uh, respective roles. So I think in that regard, the movie really knocked it out of the park. Um, it's thrilling when there is action. It's very, it's it, there's artistry to it, right? It's not, again, it's, I feel like with the Marvel movies and stuff we've talked about recently, I just, there's there's a, been a lack of artistry and vision in the way that the action scenes have, you know, been stylized and everything. Not not the case here, especially this one car chase is super immersive and shot in a very creative way. Um, that is like Matt Reeves is is trying to, like, put his stamp on the movie, um, which I appreciate. It's nice to watch a superhero movie where the director doesn't feel so anonymous, I guess is what I'm saying. Michael Giacchino does a fantastic job. Um with uh, with the score, probably one of the, the highlights of his career, which is saying a lot because he's done a lot of, you know, music for a lot of big, you know, blockbuster movies. Um, but it feels like we finally have an iconic Batman theme in the movies um, from what Giacchino gives us here. I'm not sure you even got that with Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard and what they did for the Nolan movies. But uh, yeah, Scott, I was really pleased with the film. There are a couple of quibbles which we'll get into i'm sure um but i think it proves it's it's uh it was needed um i, I guess is what i'm saying again i had skeptic i was skeptical going into it about do we really need another batman movie can this contribute something that the nolan films haven't already contributed and i think it absolutely does and wisely you know matt reeves doesn't try to replicate what nolan did he, he makes this his own thing which is the way to go
0: yeah i think i think that point that you sort of wrapped up with there and that you'd mentioned earlier on is is one that really sticks out to me is that if you are going to I mean look we're always going to have another Batman movie that's just the, the truth of it but if you're going to if you're going to be making a new Batman movie do something interesting right like do something interesting do something different as much as the Nolan movies were dramas like they were action dramas right like there was this there was a dramatic tension between you know Christian Bale's Batman and the villains he was facing They weren't so much thrillers and then you take the source material, maybe even taking more source material than, well, I don't want to say that because there's, there's so many different takes on Batman in the comics, but taking a different lens to look, to look at the source material through with this sort of more hard boiled thriller type uh, superhero film. It adds a lot of flavor that I think didn't exist in the Nolan trilogy. It's adding a, flavor that I'd say maybe Zack Snyder was trying to get in parts of his his Batman movies but I don't think he quite captured well enough um, and then I think the original you know Batman trilogy of films and I haven't seen the Adam West one but the trilogy I mean that, they're just going for something different I think uh, it's just a different Four a different era years. with different sensibilities that's true yeah it's a fair point for movies um, yeah so uh, overall I, I think that this does add something and that's I think that's what I was most satisfied with and and the most impressed part of it or most impressing part of it for me was the fact that Matt Reeves was able to craft a narrative and a character that really could comfortably operate on both sides of the action detective sort of fence, which I think that most successful other adaptations have chosen one or the other. and being able to give both an equal measure. And, you know, sure, could either parts have been better? Maybe, but they're, they're such a high quality. I feel like it's a high, there are high quality detective scenes, there are high quality action scenes. And then there is, of course, like the, what you call like modern craft um, fair involved with, you know, something like Greg Frazier's cinematography, Giacchino's score. Uh, I think it's all really excellently done. Can talk about more about the cast in a in a little bit. I'll I'll save that. But yeah, Pattinson. You mentioned that he's almost going back, almost going backwards. At, one in the sense of being a movie star in terms of going back to his Twilight days. But I, again, sort of the characterization, it, it feels like he's taking that Edward Cullen character. You know, granted, it's been forever since I've seen the original Twilight movie, and I haven't seen any of the other ones. But it's just so over the top and and campy, brooding. I feel like he's evolved that, like he's matured that in a way. And and I'm not saying that he was bad in those movies. It may have just been what it was called for in those films. But I think he's able to take that sort of ex- those experiences and recast them with a different, um, you know, with with a different, with a different, I guess, layer to it almost, right? It it is brooding, it is sort of it's not childish, but it's like a little, it's immature. But he, it evol- he evolves that in a way that feels measured and feels um, like it really works for this particular arc and this particular Batman movie. So I really appreciated that um, that that ability and that sort of acting muscle that that Pattinson flexed after almost a decade of doing very different stuff um, in independent films. But Jay, l- why don't we go to you now? Scott and I have given our, our initial thoughts on Well, Scott's given his extensive thoughts already in Robert Pattinson. I've given a few. What did you think of the man behind the cowl?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're going to we're going to dip into spoiler territory here because that's fine. I'm going to, you know, need to point to some things. But uh, just to kick off with what I said earlier, like most comic accurate Batman to me, like, obviously, I think, like you said, there are there is so much source material. You could point to some of the ones we've seen some of the portrayals we've seen before and been like, this was more accurate in this way or that way. But to me and like kind of what I picture um, this felt, I guess, most true to the source material that I regard the highest. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we can talk about whether or not the, the actual riddles themselves and like the puzzle and the twists were laid out in a way that was like, you know, the most interesting or most involving or whatnot, but kind of the way he went about it. I mean, just being the smartest guy in the room, you know, and just being like the world's greatest detective when it comes to everything except the Spanish language, like spot on. And there was like a, an element of like humanity that I've talked about the other portrayals of Batman lacking. And I'm not saying that this one like brought it from the beginning, but at the very end, like again, now we're going like full blown spoiler, right? We're like, you know, he's carrying, first he's like leading the group of people out with the flair and then, uh the person he like carries out on like the. Oh, Jay, that's not the a garden. spoiler that was in the trailer <laughs> i know you're really upset about that but then the scene where he's carrying the person out um, on the roof of the garden and she he kind of like lays her into the stretcher i think it was her the person into the stretcher um and the person kind of grabs onto him and he kind of like you know gives them this like reassuring look of like you know i'm here i'm looking out for you i'm with you you know Little pieces like that, I feel like, are a side to Batman that we haven't really seen uh, too well in the movies. You know, some of my favorite Batman moments don't actually involve him, like, solving crime or taking down a bad guy. There are moments where, like, he showcases this humanity, and you get the sense that he's, like, in large ways, like, still just, like, a hurt child. You know, and even early on when he's examining the crime scene, and he realizes, you know, it's a kid who found the, bo- the mayor's body like the mayor's kid and you know just kind of like stares at him for a little bit like you you know you get that sense and you're like getting that origin story piece of it of, you know like you know he's obviously seeing himself in a way
0: 100% you know? I thought that was like one of the best parts of the origin story that this film tells it's like it's not rewinding 20 years or 15 years or whatever the number is instead it's showing you like almost a, a proxy origin story of this this is what you know, Bruce went through—I mean, worse, I guess, because both of his parents died, right? But this is what Bruce went through, and he's seeing that, and that sort of awkwardly long stare that he has at the kid, both in in at the crime scene, and then again at, at the mayor's funeral. I thought is a way to reference that origin story in a more clever way than showing—I don't know—Martha's pearl scattered across the street.
2: Totally, totally, and. And I think you know that that's a credit to both like Matt Reeves and his understanding of the character and the way he wrote it, but then also Robert Pattinson like being able to convey that um, so effectively to me. And so, yeah, I mean, I think you know both the way he operates like solo, and then just to dip a little bit into the supporting cast, the way he uh, interacts with Gordon, I, I I just really enjoyed it. Like I think I think it was Scott Harvey who described it as like buddy cop energy uh, in his mm-hmm. letterbox review, and I was like completely here for it and again very much reminded me of you know some of my favorite batman stories like i really just felt like you know you had taken key pieces from like my three or four favorite books and just thrown them up on a screen and it was amazing
0: yeah um sky anything you want to add about about robert pattinson that you had already said
1: yeah. well yeah i mean i think it just as far as the character goes like you really do get to see him in the world, more than I feel like we've seen Batman, Batman before. It's almost like a Spider-Man type, like he's connecting with the people of the city. Whereas, like I feel like in the other movies, it is he appears out of the shadows, he, you know, does good and then he he disappears back into the shadows or whatever. He's not really like necessarily part of the whole like community in a way. Um, but I think you really get the sense of that. In this movie, I mean, yes, all of the stuff that happens at the Gotham Garden at the end, like, even just him, like, going into the nightclub um, where the Penguin is and, you know, just walking around with all the people there and, um, you know, and going around from crime scene to crime scene. Um, you Real know, man with, of the people. Gordon and uh, and the police and the police, you know, he's just he's out there in the world. I guess is my point. He's not hiding necessarily, um, which feels a little different. And the other thing, which I think is a little different too, and you know, again, maybe uh, I'm not as familiar with the comics, so, but I've always kind of thought as of Bruce Wayne that and Batman, the tension being like Bruce Wayne doesn't really know how to carry on this legacy of his parents as like these big people in gotham and philanthropers and all all this um and that's like the real struggle he's facing i don't think he really got that with christian bale because christian bale like is so good at portraying like the magnanimous like sophisticated he, he, he totally is like um he totally does like he is able to carry on his the wayne legacy really and he's like almost channeling some of his american psycho like charisma and stuff in those movies but um here obviously robert pattinson like much different treatment and I appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, he, he's, you know, you, you definitely do get the sense that he's an outcast, right? He doesn't really know how to handle the spotlight and the legacy of the Wayne name, um, which is, he's is carrying with him. Um, and I think that that's, Generally very effective. There are a couple of odd moments, like when he puts the sunglasses on. That like that almost was like a Twilight level camp moment in a way, when he just like puts on the the sunglasses inside Wayne Manor. Um, it but it is some like
0: weird reference to like he only like he sleeps during the day and he only goes out at night. I think mean, I mean I think that's what they're that's mm-hmm. what they're going for there. Um, it, it was I, I chuckled to myself when he puts the glasses yeah. on. I was like Jesus, this is where we're at. But yeah, he does a
1: really good job. And the last thing I'll say is that um, another thing with him versus Bale, again, everyone made fun of Bale's Batman voice because it felt like really affected. Like you could really hear him like trying to do it, like straining to do it. Um, and I thought it was fine, uh, but, but it's, it comes a lot more naturally to Pattinson. I think, I think it, it you, you don't hear that same quality. Like I said, when he's doing it, even though the voices sound similar, like they, they, he, his Batman voice sounds very similar to Bale's. It just, it feels more natural coming from him.
0: Yeah. Pattinson has a, a definitely a different range of octaves, I think in his, in his voice than, than Bale does, because I mean, his normal voice is a little bit more high. is probably a little bit more high pitched than, than Bale's is. So maybe it's easier to just drop a few octaves as opposed to doing some like, I don't know, serial killer phone voice that <laughs> Bale does, which I am a fan of. I, I do really like, it's not a knock at it, but it is, it's kind of funny to, <laughs> to think that he did that for like, you know, seven eight hours worth of movies or or whatever um uh, other thoughts on on Pattinson for me I mean I think he's great I do think he I mean ultimately the conversations will probably always be like him versus Bale versus Keaton I guess will be like the three that probably get talked about the most um he's probably I mean he's probably closer to to Keaton than than Bale but I do think that he's still doing his own thing separate from these for all the reasons that have already been said that it you know, I don't really need to repeat. I think I need to sit with this and 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 live with the performance a little bit more and I mean presumably there will be more movies to come and and see the, and see how it develops in those to know whether or not I think he sort of outshines Bale but the fact that he's in competition with with the Nolan version of of Batman for, you know, best performance in in the role is a huge, you know, you know, a commitment to to what he's able to accomplish here. I think that he's able to add a a different kind of humanity. I think there was a lot of humanity in Bale's portrayal, but I think he's able to add almost a different flavor of it in this, which you know, I really appreciate. So, something that Christian Bale like to you you were saying, Scott, just would never have been able to really I think be convincing as in, in his version. Um there's not a the the immature there are I think sparks of immaturity in in you know things like Batman Begins and the, the Dark Knight and and even Rises, but overall it feels like it's a more matured, grown-up performance than what is being offered here, and I I just think that Pattinson is able to walk that line effortlessly in the film, which which was really satisfying. He has a lot of chemistry with almost everyone else in the cast um, on the screen, whether it's Gordon, whether it's um, you know, Selena, even even the Penguin. I think he just has a great R- rapport's not the right word, but he he really nails the interactions and the, and the way he interacts with those people extremely well jay did you want to say something else
2: oh this was just going back to the voice bit where i actually had moments where i i if you'd like just play to collect the audio for me i don't think i would have been able to tell you whether that was pale or pattinson um i definitely felt that like four or five times the one word that like really stuck out to me was the way he said psychopath at the arkham scene Mm -hmm. um again just like weirdly specific but like yeah i mean the so, I mean and, to your I mean, point, like the, the voice was good, um, reminiscent of Bales. And it, to some points, like I found it like indistinguishable, but still good. And perhaps like coming to him easier, that was all.
1: And they're off they're obviously playing off your knowledge of it too, to some point, because like the I'm vengeance, like that is supposed to be like, a, you know, you you think of when you think of Bales Batman, I feel like in particular, you think of I'm Batman. And that's like clearly the, you know, you're expecting that line to come. But then he says, no, I'm vengeance, which like shows the deeper or the different, you know, story and different character characterization of Bruce and Batman that Reeves is going for. Like just that subtle little, you know, switch. And I mean, there's a lot to say
0: about about, you know, ways that Batman identifies in this movie and people identify him because Batman isn't isn't the most common one. As Jay was, Jay and I were actually yeah. talking about this yesterday, Um but we can get into that maybe a little bit later on. I think that the interesting part of of that is that you know there's so, there's so much to develop there, right? Like in terms of him being managed. I did think that the scene, the first the opening scene or whatever, where the the gang on in like the train station, be like, "Who are you?" I'm Like the guy's been around for two years, like be, beating up like petty thugs like you. Come on, dude, you know who this guy is. <laughs> the first 20 minutes were like, actually the weakest part of the movie to me. Like
1: after the first 20 minutes or so, like once they start going to like the crime scenes and stuff, that was when I actually like locked in. But like for the first 15, 20 minutes or so, I was like, this is a little weird. Like I, and the, the voiceover I think plays into that too. Yeah. But then once I got what they were going for, they were going like for like a film noir type thing. Then it made a little more, a little bit more sense. Cause you know, that's obviously um, a big you know, hallmark of those movies.
0: Well, they definitely could have cut the first two minutes of the film with the Riddler looking through binoculars. I don't, I don't even know why that's in the film, to be honest. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't disagree with the, from the Batman perspective, I was getting a little worried about the VO um, as I am a noted voiceover critic in live action movies, but it, it ended up, I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine, and they didn't keep doing it, which was great. Which I thought was weird mm-hmm. that they stopped doing it, honestly. Because yeah. it seemed like a bit it, they were going to be came doing it around. Like, and it was like, oh, yeah. Because he's writing his journal. or Because it's like he's just voiceovering the journal that he's writing. And I thought they, they were going to keep doing it. But thankfully, they didn't. Um, guys, we talked a lot about our hero. Let's talk about the villain. Let's talk about Paul Dano as the Riddler. Edward Nashton is his, um, his alter ego name. Jay, let's go to you first again. What did you think of this much more serious trademark, you know, serial killer version of the Riddler? Um, you know, if you want to reference Jim Carrey, you're welcome to. But if if not, just what did you think in general as a, of the performance and of the character?
2: I thought it was pretty good. Like, I think it served its purpose, and I think that's about as far as I'm willing to go. Um, I think I found the idea of his Riddler much more appealing than when we actually kind of broke it down a little for the most part I'll I'll touch on something in a minute um which I thought was amazing but the again the look the idea that he was a serial killer like leaving clues playing this like very cruel game with you know the city of Gotham I was all here for and the look you know very much inspired again by the and like obviously there was the zodiac element of it um, but the black with the yellow eyes is also very reminiscent of the talons from the court of owls. So again, seeing that super cool for me, you know, ultimately when he gets unmasked, maybe just like a hair too whiny for me, uh, you know, and not, not so much in the way that I'm like, I can't believe that, you know, these two are the same people, especially because, you know, they do hammer home. The idea that you know your mask allows you to be your true self and so even though on the surface he's like this non-threatening white forensics accountant who like i say white just for like the white angst piece of it that they're clearly peppering in there um i don't know it just like didn't totally work for me after that and like he does disappear for a fair bit um in the middle of the movie with the exception of you know, communicating through like the computer and whatnot um I didn't but think I don't they were
0: like... trying to mix a few weird stereotypes to, to the note about, like, you know, meek, white, angsty accountant. Like, it felt like they were going for some, like, weird incel vibes for him. Well, they are. But I at, mean, I
1: think, yeah, there's like. But at the, the same time,
0: he's like, I was an orphan and I've been, like, you know, persecuted. Like, the, again, almost like the weird, not to take this movie's name and bring it into the conversation, but like, had some Joker vibes of, like, you know, the world is is cast me down and. I need to like stand up or whatever for for it and and take on corruptions. It it was like a weird mix, right? Like, cause it doesn't, it doesn't feel like the right mix of those stereotypes to me. Um, And I don't know, maybe that's what you were going for Jay, but sorry, keep, keep going. I just wanted to interject there before it became less relevant.
2: No, you're totally right. And we were talking about this yesterday where like, there's elements of hush there too, where like you have someone who like envies Bruce Wayne, the billionaire orphan who like, you know, like he's like the word orphan isn't even right when describing him. And, like, that also could have been interesting, but like like you just said, I feel like the blend was weird. I think the one exception to my gripes uh, about his performance outside of the mask, which I'm sure we'll address uh, later on, too, uh, is the scene in the asylum, the first scene in the asylum, I should say, uh, where he's talking to Bruce and, you know, he's kind of toying with, I mean, Matt Reeves is really the one toying with this, right, where it seems like he might have figured out that bruce wayne is batman and he's saying you know bruce wayne like over and over again and i'm like you know i was sitting there like losing my mind like oh my god how and when and what is going to happen and then ultimately you know you're kind of let off like oh i guess he doesn't know i'm honestly not even like totally totally convinced that when he i definitely doesn't movies, know yeah i mean when yeah. you go through the movie logic you have to realize that he doesn't otherwise it's, it's too much but it was yeah. that that bit to me was so creepy and menacing i'm like if we got more of that and less of like the no 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 this wasn't how it was supposed to go like mm. i think i would have been a little bit happier um all in all though i think like again the, the character like serves his purpose he won't be the first second or third thing i think of when i think of this movie which is maybe a little bit weird to say i think fourth is about where i'd put him um but serves his purpose ultimately
0: yeah. I, I do think that the performance is, is good. I'm not sure if the characterization, again, going back to like, it's a weird blend of of a bunch of different stereotypes and, and some part of that is going to be the performance. Some part of that is how the character is written by Reeves and, you know, his co-writer who I'm, I'm forgetting who co-wrote this with him, Peter Craig um, sort of decided to, to portray this character, but I like Dano in the role. I think, I think he were, I mean, not to say he's typecast in these types of roles, but he plays these types of roles really well. And he's done it a few times before. Um, and I think that he, he does play it really well, um, to the extent that it's possible. But yeah, I agree that I think character wise, you know, of the major characters, which I'm not, I'm not counting Alfred because he does. Alfred does have a pretty small role in this movie. I think he's probably the least compelling, um, uh, of the characters in in the film scott do you do you agree with that do you think do you think a little bit more highly of him
1: yeah i mean i see some people that are just like freaking out about this performance like this is incredible this is the best performance in the movie no. by far no i i'm not i'm not kidding i can't
0: believe that you'd say that Scott. i can't believe that. that you believe that
1: yeah i definitely <laughs> don't um i mean he is good for sure, uh, sure yeah. yeah i like this portrayal of the the riddler and i mean Paul Dano also, like, I just rewatched this week. It, it was not on purpose, but I rewatched There Will Be Blood this week. And, like, that is actually a performance that people should freak out about from Paul Dano. This, it feels like it does. And I agree. I, I I definitely agree with Jay. Especially once the mask comes off, it feels like it turns into a little bit of your standard, like, oh he's cackling and yelling and oh isn't this so creepy and weird you know type villain or whatever and it's the same people was, who
0: lost their mind about joker i guarantee yeah i guarantee it's yeah. the same people
1: i was more intrigued when he was in the mask and doing the you know serial killer type stuff and i think that that last scene between him and bruce and ark or him and batman and arkham like they're you know when they actually have their one-on-one doesn't really hold a candle to me to like the interrogation scenes from the Dark Knight um, between um, him and the Joker. I mean, yeah, it, the, this performance doesn't come close to Heath Ledger's Joker, and I hope that there's no one out there that is suggesting that it is. But um, but yeah, as far as Joker, like, I also got Joker vibes from, like, where the story goes in the third act. And I'm not – like, it does it better, in my opinion. I'm not saying it's, like, something super hard-hitting or anything. That this this guy who's, you know, like you said, has some, like, white incel vibes, like, through online, finds this community of people who identify with him. And then they are willing to basically take up arms for him in the end. Like, very reminiscent of Joker. But it just doesn't have the same, like, self-congratulatory tone to it that Joker had, which is why I think it works, like, a little bit Well, yeah, because it's
0: not some statement about, like, elite, yeah. downtrodding... You know, the poor and the and you know, etc. Yeah, there's less subtext to it,
1: I guess, which
0: it feels uh, that way at
1: least. Yeah, is probably a good thing. But um, but yeah, so so I think it actually did that a little bit better than Joker, but like, yeah, I agree. When once the mask comes off, his portrayal doesn't feel dissimilar to like actually Joaquin Phoenix's joker of like isn't this don't you feel weird and unsettled right now again if we're talking about seven like to me it doesn't compare to like when kevin spacey gets revealed as john doe like in third act of the movie like he's doing something a
0: lot more subtle and calculated to me totally yeah i mean i mean for me if it's one of those things where there's all these references to other comic villains for sure i think you know if we're sticking with the fincher feel like it does I think his appearance does remind you a lot of the Zodiac killer. You know, especially when you think about the scene in Napa where um you know the Zodiac killer approaches the the couple sort of having a picnic mm-hmm. or whatever. I think I think that that the look in that scene is reminiscent of what you see from from Paul Dano's um Riddler costume in this and I, and I and but yeah, there's just there, there's nothing behind it or there's not a similarly menacing almost intimidating appearance behind that, which I think, I mean, it is intentional, right? They could have cast someone that would have been that way in the role. Um, I just don't know if the majority of what happens after the mask comes up, after he's captured, is as effective as, you know, other instances. You're talking about seven, you're talking about, I mean, even Zodiac, right? Like, as they try to track down who the Zodiac killer is, I mean, that that is more menacing than than what Paul Dan see- the scene either. where they
1: they talk to Arthur Lee Allen at his yeah. factory before they even like know that like before they even really think seriously think it's him like yeah that scene is creepy as hell yeah. compared to the Paul Dano scene I feel yeah, like I sure. this movie.
0: Other people to talk about, um, let's go to Zoe Kravitz first. I was gonna maybe go to John Turturro, but let's go to Zoe Kravitz first. Scott, you're a noted um, fan of Zoe Kravitz from a bunch of other things. Scott has leaned into the. to the camera now with the mention of her Uh, are you just as impressed as you've always been with her catwoman it it sounded like you were from from earlier on tell us a little bit more totally yeah
1: i mean I've gotten to be a fan of hers after watching high fidelity, the, you know, may it rest in peace and hopefully come back someday, but probably not. Um, But that show was done very dirty by Hulu. I just have to say, but she was phenomenal in that. And then I became a fan of hers from that. And then already, of course, this year, she's already started one of my favorite movies from this year, Kimmy, um, the Steven Soderbergh movie. Um, So I was very excited to see her in this role and yeah, I think she's great. I mean, Look, I think uh, Anne Hathaway was great as Catwoman in uh, in The Dark Knight Rises. We talked exactly. about that when we reviewed that movie. Um, I, think, I think she was really strong in the role. Um, but I don't know. Zoe Kravitz has the look that I expect from a Catwoman, I think. I don't know. She's just more... She has like that sleek sexiness that like you want from a cat, cat woman. Worship. I think Anne Hathaway gives you something a little bit different. Um, it oh, is I cat-like. Think I think Anne Hathaway, Hathaway is, is what I'm trying to sexy say. Is
0: cat woman. I don't know what you're talking about. Do, well, yeah, I don't know. No, but I'm saying it is cat-like is
1: what I'm saying. Yeah, know, more yeah. More so than what I got from Anne Hathaway, I guess. But also I just like what they do with her and um, Bruce and uh, slash Batman. Like I think, you know, I, I wrote about this in Letterboxd, but like, the Telltale games that they made for Batman, like yeah. there's actually a lot of this. That is the Batman piece of media that feels the most similar to like what this is, and this even down to some of the story beats. Again, they're very much in that the, the story in those games definitely goes into like Thomas Wayne's background and like his connection to Falcone and all the like the criminal underground of Gotham, uh, in the same places that these movies go. But also the the Bruce and Catwoman relationship in those games feels pretty similar to, like, what they're doing here, where they're, like, both strays, basically, again, and um, they're just kind of drawn to each other because of, because of that, because they're both sort of um, outcasts in their own way. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, the reveal of what's going on with Catwoman and, like, the, um, you know, that she's Falcone's daughter, eh, Uh, fine. You know, again, it feels like pretty familiar, uh, beat of like, what is this person's connection? Oh, well, they're related. Again, we've seen this in a lot of franchises. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't bad or anything. It didn't like spoil the character. And I, yeah, again, I just think the, she has very good chemistry with Robert Pattinson, which is funny because I just watched Twilight again, where, um, he and Kristen Stewart have no chemistry whatsoever, like zero chemistry. Um, and, but it's not, that's not true here. I think that um, they play off each other really well. You know, there's uh, some of the good sort of like antagonistic stuff that you want from like a um, Bruce and Selena relationship, like early on at least. Um, and yeah, she's just cool. She's very effortless, effortlessly cool in this role, um, which is, I think, something that Catwoman should be. So, I think she was great. And, you know, obviously she sort of rides off into the sunset at the end of this. But that's kind of also what happens in the Telltale Games. And then, that you know, they come back together. So I'm I'm hoping that that will be the case. I kind of feel like it will be the case. I don't think this will be the last that we see of her in this role. Because I think people are really going to or have really enjoyed her in the role and are, you know, going to, you know, want to see her back in the future movies.
0: Yeah, I I do think that most of the Batman games in the last decade plus you know ever since arkham asylum have really been the best forms of batman media in terms of close closest to the comics one because there's just so much more time you can spend with a video game so there's you're able to get everything in but also um like just tell more affecting stories i think arkham city and arkham knight in particular um are probably also in the conversation with like most similar pieces of media because the Arkham games are just bigger. And so I think it's, you're always going to feel a little bit more disconnected to a movie, which is a contained you know piece of space and time um, compared to like a 40 hour plus game or whatever. But they also have compelling, you know, time sensitive stories where you're and developing relationships, which I think is true. But yeah, the telltale games, I still haven't played the second season, but uh, that first season was, was really good. Really enjoyed second that. Second season is good too. Yeah. I, Enemy within, is that what it's called? Mm -hmm.
1: Um, yeah and and you know again the the detective work is very much like an element of those because the way that telltale does their games it's like they're not action-based right so they rely more on the story and the choices and everything that you make so it naturally because of that is focused more on batman as a detective which so is this movie
0: yeah and the arkham games do do a good job pulling that in as well but obviously they are still very much action games as well with their combat mechanics jay thoughts on zoe kravitz
2: I had like six things I wanted to respond to in there. Um, First off, let's just, I'm not going to hear any Anne Hathaway slander. Like, how dare you? I was not, <laughs> I did not mean to slander in, her. In I line, can't believe you said Anne Hathaway was a horrible catwoman. Cat woman. I started off literally you. by
1: saying she was great. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. I just, I just want that out there. No, Zoe Kravitz was also phenomenal in this role. Very different. I think you touched on the story elements really well, so I won't rehash that, but I think also just a very stellar performance, and I like. I will say I like their uh, Batman and Catwoman's relationship more in this than I do the Dark Knight Rises. Um, in large part to the way Zoe Kravitz plays the character, and in large part to to the way it's written. Um, I yeah, I mean, I, I guess I hope we see her again. Like I, I'm sure you could write you know compelling stories without her. Maybe leave her out for the second, come back for the third. I mean, who knows? Um, This is also me just to jump like way ahead, you know, thinking there's no way the third movie ends with him alive or having a happy ending. I mean, maybe they will. You know, you never know. Based on what? Batman doesn't get a happy ending. Like, ever. Like, really. And certainly Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, and like that was the one time they did it, and I feel like people still complain about it to this day. Like, I think I'm the only person that's like, it's fine that he like, you know, got six miles away from the city in 30 seconds because he deserved the happy ending, and everyone else is like, how did he do that? I think
0: it's very fashionable to hate on Dark Knight Rises these days, which is disappointing. Unfortunately,
2: unfortunately, but I I mean, we'll see. Again, like you know, maybe they'll they'll change it up. But I would be happy if she came back, Um, give us some more of that relationship. To, to the point of them,
1: was an awesome moment even yeah. even again i know scott has been like to the trailer it's ruined but like it wasn't ruined for me like i thought it, even though that line was in the trailer just like seeing the context and everything around
2: sorry which moment make it did.
1: hit when she says um
0: she's got nine lives basically oh so
2: so,
1: well yeah. yeah i forget what the the lead-in line is to it or whatever but she's like don't, right. throw said, don't throw your you life away he said don't throw your life away or, for the, right. these people yeah uh-huh and yeah. she's like it's okay baby i've got nine of them or whatever it jumps yeah. off
0: no it's, it's a really. great line scott but it would have been better if i hadn't heard it before it's all gonna, like trailers do watch guys. trailers
2: when you're in a movie theater and the trailer comes on just plug your ears and start singing <laughs> to yourself <laughs> that's <laughs> what some guy did
0: well, no i know I, I, I definitely told you i know no that, that's i think <laughs> i texted <laughs> you guys about it right I You, did, you, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what i what was that before what movie i don't even remember what movie it was before um, uncharted no it wasn't it wasn't before uncharted um <laughs> Oh, anyway, I don't even want to let's not we're talking about a good movie. Right let's, <laughs> not, let's not go there. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, the, the point about Falcone, because I want to go to Falcone in a second and. Um, Catwoman's, you know, familial relationship with her. I actually I actually thought that really worked in this movie. I'm going to I'm going to be honest. I think that that was actually a really good thing because I think it was another way to sort of twist and tie Bruce and Selena together. Yeah. in their stories and so i actually thought that was a really effective way to do that is it like over is it an overused trope maybe or a convenient trope maybe but i i think that they kind of earned it in this movie like she's working in this nightclub she has these relationships with these people and you and you and you understand it's part of her motivation it's part of what she's doing it for which yeah may, maybe it is convenient and and maybe a cheap one to turn to but i do think that they made the most of it this film and was an effective way to again tie the stories of all these disparate characters together in a way it didn't feel as cheap as maybe it feels in other movies
1: again that's why it didn't bother me as much like it can be lazily used but um, i definitely i definitely get what you're saying the connection there um is that's one of the connections between her and bruce and then just like that they're both wanting vengeance basically um
0: Okay, yeah. Why don't we just yeah? Why don't we just bundle everyone else together? You know, four other significant members of the cast, if you will. Jay, feel free to talk about who you'd like to now.
2: I will talk about um, allegedly Colin Farrell. I think I'm just going to refer to him as that for the rest of uh, our Batman conversations because, as Scott Shelton points out, he just cannot believe that this is Colin Farrell in the Me role. Me either. Yeah.
0: I mean, Pe- Pedro Pascal got a lot of shade for you know wearing the Mando mask all episodes. Like, does he? Should he even be nominated for awards? Cause you don't, it doesn't have to be him under there. There's no way you can prove that he's actually performing the role. That's why they have him like take off the mask or whatever. in like one episode per season to prove that it's him. Um, I kind of feel that way about Colin Farrell. Like you can't, you can't like Scott, Scott was saying this to me as well. Um, you can stare all day at the penguin and you, you will not be able to convince me that, you know, it's Colin Farrell under there
2: to each zone. I mean, I thought he was phenomenal. Um, like honestly exactly I mean in terms of like a grittier Penguin because you know you could have a bit of a more like a zany like socialite type like you got in the animated series where you know he's uh, like you know the Iceberg Lounge which is not only like a giant iceberg themed lounge but you know he's a bit more just like snooty and rich and less like you know in the mud grimy but like for what I imagine for this type of movie you know, I mean, I, they, again, it's one of those things that, you know, that you saw it in the trailer, you know, when he goes like, take it easy, sweetheart, and whatever. And like it, I was like, okay, like this might work. And then yeah, it happened to York movie. gangster. It worked, it worked so well for me. I mean, I love the way he like, you know, refers to Batman as vengeance or Mr. Vengeance, you know, when he's shooting after him, like vengeance, you think you can take my money? Like,
1: yeah, like, Scott,
2: is- oh. Scott, what do you,
1: what do you think? I've seen some people saying that this is what Jared Leto wished he had been in House of Gucci. This role that Colin I, girls that
0: did. thought actually did cross my mind when he really sinks his teeth into the you know sort of new New York Italian Just type such different action. tones to the movies though I feel like
1: yeah.
0: yeah look I think it's I think it's sort of like a it look it's it's a, it's a cheap thing to say on Twitter probably to get to mm-hmm. get likes and stuff but
1: five thousand likes yeah.
0: it's kind of funny I mean it is kind of funny like I mean I don't know I I, I don't I did not think for a minute about House of Gucci versus. The Batman when I was watching this Fair film. Enough. Um but yeah, look sure. Yeah, I'm sure Jared Leto would like to have been in a in 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 this movie and done something cool. Instead of the ones that he wasn't, yeah. Well, instead of Morbius in a in a few weeks. I, I, hey, I'm holding
1: out hope for Morbius. I'm hoping it's as good as Venom at Derby Carnage was. I'm about to meet you. That
0: was fun. I'm about to meet wow. you. Let's move on. I,
2: that, I did not this took a turn. I'm very surprised to hear that.
0: Jay, please continue what you were saying. Bro. I'm just going to wrap Goodness up say. with
2: Colin Farrell. Yeah, I mean, he <laughs> and then the scene, you know, where he uh, is being interrogated by Batman and Gordon again, just like to me, like perfectly done. Like, you know, the, all the crap he gives them for not knowing, uh, you know, the Spanish, again, the L versus the lot. Like, am I the only one that knows? Like, that was the moment where I laughed out loud. I'm like, this are you guys is just going to leave me man. here? <laughs> Well yeah and then and then Whatever. he's like, You guys yeah. gotta leave me here. And he tries to like walk away and he's waddling like a penguin because uh-huh. he's that's his time. waddle like, scene. It was funny. Like I yeah. was I was absolutely here for it. Um, you know, when when his spin-off series was announced, I was that was one of those things I was like, okay, you're really gonna milk this franchise, aren't you? But after seeing this movie, I'm like, Oh, please bring it on. Like, I will watch an HBO Max series starring him as the penguin.
0: Yeah, I do think the penguin is is really good in this movie for, for me the i'm just like not into the which which batman movie is he in in the 90s i forget the name of it it's is that returns is that batman returns okay
2: you're better off not, not remembering. De- DeVito,
0: yeah. i just yeah I, look danny devito makes sense as this as like a comic book authentic version of this character and i would probably say that that version of the penguin is much truer to the comics at least in my understanding of the penguin in the comics but i just like don't go for like the the like like weird like i don't know like deformed human villain portray like that just like is not as interesting to me and i like that they've just made him this sort of like you know mid to upper level gangster who has his own ambitions and wants his own things and it's just like a serious, you know, to keep going back to the serious, but like he's a serious person in the serious movie. Um, He is also silly. He has some funny lines, as Jay pointed out. But like that works for me that like that. That is a much more effective portrayal for me in what I'm looking for in a movie than others. And Colin Farrell is great. I watched two Colin, new Colin Farrell movies this week. They're both great. Facts. After Yang being the other one. Yeah. Scott, any thoughts about on Showtime? Or? Go watch it. Gosh, is it really? Oh, it was it? Oh, it was Dane. It is Dane. After Dan. Yang's on showtime, yeah, that's right. All right. Any thoughts on Penguin or do you want to swivel to another? To, to I know you want to talk about Jeffrey Wright. So yeah, you can just go directly there if you want to.
1: I mean, let's be honest here. Has any actor had like a better last 365 days than Jeffrey Wright? You talk about this movie, you talk about No Time to Die, where he is just always a delight coming in as Felix Slider, um, just having a ball. And you talk about his. Oscar worthy, you know, performance in the French dispatch for me, at least like, a, you know, worthy of at least a nomination. Um, he's had a great 365 days, like in both, you know, big budget stuff like this and no time to die. And then in the more, you know, a auteur space, but like in a Wes Anderson movie, right. Which is something that's going to get a lot of eyes on it.
0: Still, Adam driver.
1: So. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he's, I feel like he's been the answer to that question. Like, in the last Correct. three years, in a he row. has been the answer to that um,
2: question. But... I'll, I'll say while. Mahershala Ali a few years ago, but yeah, we're talking about the like last. It is just the last year are talking about like age 365 I, days. I know
0: yeah. that th- this is not the answer you're looking for, Scott, but like probably Tom Holland.
1: I'm just going to pretend you didn't say that. Um Okay, <laughs> not in terms right, of quality, now.
0: but the, but the guy is the only person who can make box office money at this point besides Batman. Yeah,
1: well, that was definitely not what I was talking about. Yeah, was talking about in terms of the quality of the movies that he's been in number one and number two, like the quality of performance that he has given. But um, yeah, he just has this gravitas about him like immediately when he's on screen, like immediately when he starts talking, I think he has a great voice um, that just like it, I don't know. He's the moral center, which I think is what Gordon should be um, and what makes him a good counterpoint to Batman because he is, a fundamentally good person, right? And and even in this movie, I think what's interesting is like they the, they're pretty down on the police in general. Um, but Gordon is like the one, you know, good person amongst the this bad unit, the police force, a lot of whom are like in cahoots with Fal- Falcone and are at the Iceberg Lounge and all this stuff. Um, but um, so so that tension of like you know that he's a good guy. And that he wants what's best. But Batman is like this agent of I don't want to say agent of chaos, but um, you know, he's like uh he's this agent of vengeance, right? Who doesn't necessarily always play by the rules, um, as much as Gordon might, you know, want to try and keep him in line. And that again, that's the where like the tension in their relationship is. Where because one is, you know, Gordon is so like bound by the the rules and you know whatnot, since he's a good cop. Uh, but Batman is like not however they're both ultimately it works because they're both working towards the same goal of like you know saving gotham seeing that justice is done um they just have like different ideas about how to go about it but yeah i think he's he's fantastic again him and Pattinson play off each other really well um you know he has some like dry humor about him um you know i think gary oldman was a great commissioner gordon for sure um i don't have a lot bad to say about him But, like, if Jeffrey Wright could continue to turn in performances like this, like, um, I think he will be the definitive Jim Gordon. Um, And and I like that they make him such a major character. And I mean, like, he, you know, outside of Batman, maybe just outside of Batman only, he he might have, like, the most screen time, most lines. Like, maybe the Riddler, um, you know, could compete with him. But, like he's in the movie a lot because it is so much about the investigation so that was great they again they did a perfect job with casting him like i can't think of anyone better that they could have gotten
0: yeah the one thing funny but we're talking about like comic accurate portrayals of different types of characters and it's different for everyone right when you say batman feels very comic accurate penguin doesn't i still feel like there's not been a portrayal of jim gordon that has like quite captured the comics At least for me, because I feel like in the comics, he's always viewed as this, like, really muscular, like, very physical type, um, almost, like, brawly detective. Um, And it's just, like, never what anyone goes for in the movies, which I think is good, personally. I think that's, like, a a good choice. It's always kind of weird in the comics when he's, like, I don't know, like, (laughs) beating dudes up with Batman, like, back to back. Um, Jay, any any thoughts you want to add about Gordon?
2: No, he's phenomenal. I'm really interested to hear that that's your... Take on Gordon from the comics. I don't necessarily think of him as what we've seen on screen either, but just for different reasons. Um, but no, he, I, I think I agree with Scott Harvey that if, you know, we get a few more performances like this one, which I really, really enjoyed, I think he will become the definitive commissioner, or you know, police agent Gordon. I think he was technically a lieutenant at the start of this movie. Yeah. Um, no, super funny. You know, I, I guess the other moment where I laughed out loud, you know, like we have to get you out of here. Like, you know, you're going to punch me in the face, take my keys and go. I was like, that whole scene was great. That was, that was well done. could have pulled your
0: punch. I did. Yeah.
2: (laughs) That's, that's the kind of humor I feel like I I expect uh, from the two of them. And yeah, yeah, it was, it it worked uh, really well for me.
0: Yeah. Big, big fan as well. I don't know if I have too much more to say on the matter that Scott already hasn't. And I know we, we are recording already at a pretty pretty long rate um so i'll just say john torturo love him as he always love him as a gangster great i think he's a great falcone we can have the great falcone versus falcone debate because i, I saw this happening as well out there
1: he's, he's he's better as somebody named carmine falcone than tom wilkinson was like literally the last person on earth that you would cast to play somebody named carmine falcone you cast yeah tom wilkinson which is funny but yeah he was good i want to mention really quickly peter sarsgaard i didn't even know he was in the movie as gil colson the da um he was great like in a couple scenes that he had like he did like the pathetic uh you know authority figure thing like really well i thought that was a a nice surprise seeing him show up he's usually as a you know good character actor so
2: that was actually one, one reaction my theater had. My theater laughed when he came on screen, like actually <laughs> laughed. <laughs> I was like, okay, like weird flex, but okay. Um, right, now, very, I like,
0: very knowledgeable audience in the theater, all right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure You know, maybe, whether they were maybe going that, for House maybe, of Cards or Ant-Man or something I'm assuming here, it was one of the bigger roles he no, does. Here you go, yeah.
1: no, here you go. This is why they were laughing. So Peter Sarsgaard is married to
0: maggie gyllenhaal who yep. played the da in oh. the dark night of the dark again, yeah that's not why
2: they were laughing way that's too also, much credit and yeah. jay funny. so i
0: was about to make a joke about this you just said he was in house of cards and ant-man you're thinking of Corey Stoll. Corey Stoll, yeah <laughs> oh i
2: flipped him you're right you're right i flipped him first because i was gonna say
0: life, yeah. i'm shocked that cory Stoll wasn't playing this character is what i was going to say <laughs> yeah. um peter sarsgaard is better
2: no you're no, right you're definitely right. but
0: I, I, it's such a small that role slow. that I'm kind of surprised that, you know, Cor- Corey Stull didn't end up getting it. But yeah, no, the, there, there's some really funny stuff, like the connections between Maggie Gyllenhaal and he was also in Maggie Hall's movie earlier this year. OK, guys, um, we'll spare Andy Circus because his role was pretty small in this and a bit half half baked. If you ask me, I, I think you guys probably agree with that based on the small conversations I've had with you already. Um, and let's talk about some of the big story moments uh, as i say an hour and 10 minutes into this recording um action it seems like we're all agree that the action set pieces were really satisfying i mean there's like the car chase is a big one you know early on um there's a couple scenes in the iceberg lounge there is obviously the big stuff at uh i was about to say madison square garden because that's what it is but gotham square garden um any one in particular you want to talk about any big plot points or Or pivotal scenes you want to mention? They don't even have to be action-based. Jay, you first.
2: Yeah, I'll zone in on a very specific part uh, towards the end of the movie where we have the the dark hallway scene where he's beating up the guys as they're like shooting at him, and you're only just getting like flashes in the trailer going on. I I know it was in in the trailer. I know it was in the trailer, and I'm I'm a big I'll be the first one to call out a fight scene that is that is either like so poorly lit or cut up so much that you can't tell what's going on at all. But it was it was aesthetically and just visually so pleasing to me that I was like, you know what? This is okay. Like, yeah, I don't really know what's going on here. It's- There's a real
1: purpose behind it, unlike in so many movies. Yeah, which I was going to say to make the exact same comment that I'm the first person to be like, this, this action scene was dark and I couldn't tell what was going on. And that's exactly what happens during the car chase. And yet I was like, this is awesome because they're, like, trying to do something with it. It's not just like, why? Like in a lot
2: of movies agreed um on the note of the car chase that is one that i'm like i kind of wish it hadn't been in the trailer like it obviously got me so hyped for it the movie but if we hadn't seen you know the i got you and then the car coming through and then the upside down shot of him walking like we hadn't seen that in the trailer that might have had me cheering in the theater but again i'd seen it so it was one of those things that like you know you weren't gonna necessarily get that reaction from me it's like the people who clapped during the I'm the the beat up and then the I'm vengeance scene and they like clapped and and I'm like we've all seen this like 20 times you know like it's still cool but like you're not gonna get that reaction from me here
0: yeah
1: yeah you feel like you're in the freaking cars with them during that yeah. uh, you
0: know car chase scene that
1: that's what I mean and like the whole... it's no
0: overhead shot from Nolan's films
1: when i when i say it has a purpose like i feel like all the action is shot with a real like chaos about it um
0: like physicality, he is yeah.
1: he is really trying to like put you off center like you or whatever with the way that the action is shot like again the the police station even where he's like running and there's like all the cops running around and like uh you know there's a lot of noise and shouting and everything going on it's just like very chaotic um i felt the same way about um the car chase, like I said, and just the fact that you're like right up in their face and it was like right up in the, you know, car with them. Um it was it was really well done. And um yeah, I mean, I I, I thought that the the end of that car chasing scene, scene still really hit, especially when you have uh Giacchino's like again is when it starts blaring the like right as he's walking that was one of the two like great moments of that in the movie the other one being when he crashes in through the roof of the gotham garden uh like and and starts effing up some of riddler's guys um i thought you know very very good uh use of like the theme like very strategically employed which
2: was
0: he wrote the entire score before seeing a single shot of this film. Just unbelievable.
2: Amazing. What a flex.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I also have an update here that I was just looking at Instagram. Uh Taylor Swift has put on her story uh, that she was at watching the Batman. Uh, and she said, Zoe Kravitz is the catwoman of dreams. The Batman was phenomenal. So I have to like it now. Um, I'm glad that I've been validated. Should we re-record- been probably- Sorry,
0: did you wanna do you wanna just wipe all this and just re-record from the beginning? to change your views
1: maybe we should but uh, what i guess what i'm saying is if she had not liked it that would have been pretty bad because i've just talked here for a while about why i do like it and i would at that point i would have had to say that i
0: didn't like it so unfortunately uh, that would have been in spite of what i've said we're good guys uh 2.0 for me
2: <laughs> because taylor swift said
0: we're good guys yeah yeah exactly um uh-huh. uh, yeah look those scenes are great um i do guys just, these scenes shouldn't be in the trailer that's all i'm gonna say they shouldn't be in the trailer it's absurd that they're in the trailer. The other absurd thing that's in the trailer is the flare shot at the end of The Gotham Garden, which is a one perfect happened. shot. I mean it is a yeah. it is a one perfect <laughs> shot um type um staging and it's in the trailer. It's just sitting in the trailer. Um and you know it like I'm sitting there in the movie theater for 2 hours and 45 minutes waiting for this scene to happen. And it See, happens it, and it's awesome, but
1: that's the difference. Like we just have different mindsets of like I'm not even thinking about it. And then like it does, you know. When it comes up, I'm like, oh yeah, that was in the trailer. But it's not. I'm not like sitting there waiting for it, like you said that you were. Like, I don't well,
0: just... I wouldn't say that I'm waiting. Okay, to be fair, that's that's an exaggeration of how I'm actually doing it. But like, I get to a certain point where I feel like the movie is like pushing towards a conclusion, and I'm like, well, I know this scene hasn't happened yet. Um, mm-hmm. and unless they're gonna pull a Paul Thomas Anderson and Licorice Pizza and put it in the put it in the credits, it's gonna nice happen credits. before the credits roll. <laughs> um, so like, I don't know. Like, it's just. I just think that it's it's ridiculous that people are putting these things in the trailers because uh, they're the amazing act. shots.
2: Not, and, nothing and, from the third and, act anymore. You have to stop. Like, and I'm it's with the Batman.
1: People are going to see the the same number of people are going to see the movie anyway, regardless of what's in the trailer. Like, I seriously doubt there's anyone who's watching this movie like, oh, I'm here because the trailer was so good. No, you're there because it's the Batman. Everybody knows what it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do think that you have to cut a good trailer, and that that does matter. Yeah. I just don't know if you need. Colin DC Farrell has and cut the car some chase and
1: good trailers
0: in the past for
1: terrible movies.
0: So, sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, good trailers for Batman movies that have been bad. Uh in, in in fact. Um yeah, anyway, I the other thing I I can't even remember if I mentioned this earlier, but I do like um are talking about sort of like plot twisty-ish moments, I do really like the setup in the first, you know, that that Arkham interrogation scene. It doesn't compare to the Joker scene at the police station in in the dark night, but the narrative construction of like making you think that like the reason that, that Batman goes there is because he thinks that the Riddler has figured out his identity based on the, you know, the clues that he's observed in his apartment and things like that. And he wants to, to pick, you know, wants to interrogate him about that. And then the direction that the scene goes where for half the scene, it's like, he's making you think he knows who he is. And then you realize with this, like, line about oh like I know the real you um and that he doesn't know and he thinks just Batman is Batman they're like it doesn't matter who's under the mask for him I just think I think that's actually like really brilliant construction because it definitely had me going um as for the physicality of the violence in this film and the action and the, and the car chase like totally I also think another another note on that is you, you talked about the Gotham police station first off hilarious that all these cops are just firing up this this like spiral staircase definitely yeah. hitting other cops when they're doing that by the way there's no that way that they're nuts. not hitting other cops just <laughs> wild behavior in the police station um and then jumping the bat the wingsuit jumped oh my god what a what a moment like that thing had me like pressed up against the back of my chair um how physical that that sort of like rendering of, of the of the wingsuit is thought it was yeah. great
1: again I don't know what it is but like it, he the, the movie is so well done that like you you look at that moment in a vacuum, like if somebody just tweeted that out, like the shots of his face when they're like you're doing the you'd be like, this looks stupid, like this looks ridiculous. But like it just works when you're watching the movie like it really does.
0: Yeah, someone's going someone's going to tweet a, a clip of that out in a couple of months and be like, wow, this shot's amazing. Everyone's gonna be like, oh, yeah, the Batman is good. Yeah, definitely. Just like West Side Story. It's
1: going to have a West Side Story. <laughs> yeah, I don't
0: think that it will need that. In no, the West I know. West okay. story. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I just think that there's again, it, it really fits the mold of the film being this like really hard boiled physical thriller. And goodness me, Robert Pattinson takes some beatings <laughs> in this movie. I mean, the I don't know what that bat suit is made of, but <laughs> it is some good bulletproof stuff right there um mm-hmm. uh, the number of just shots the shot uh, especially the in the last scene like the, the shotgun point blank range that he takes oh boy <laughs> that is that was a hit um yeah just let 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 our pats rest a little bit let his body heal <laughs> after all of that mm-hmm. anything else from you guys
2: bring on the oh, i mean we have to talk oh, about please.
0: that the scene that i hate oh no okay okay, okay, we? okay. we're gonna we're, I'm, we? we're gonna give two minutes to this scene i'm going to preface this because i was reading an article this morning that talks about that scene explicitly and has Matt Reeves talking about that scene. So here's here's the deal. So there is a, a what is to me ostensibly a post-credit scene, uh, before the credits in the movie, where Paul Dano's Riddler is back in Arkham, like he's in his cell, and he's, you know, ranting and raving about his plan not working and how sad he how much of a sad boy he is about it. And then you have oh, poor Barry Keoghan um uh, in the cell next to him playing uh, unidentified Arkham prisoner as the credit on the role is or something like that. Um, who is the Joker and, you know, taught, you know, going, has some like tete a tete with him going back and forth about, you know, him being a clown, essentially one day, one day you're on top. The next day you're a clown. Um, and then them devolves into laughing and, you know, the iconic Joker cackle. Um, originally, there was another scene with the Joker in the movie much earlier on where Batman goes to Arkham Asylum when he's like first trying to come to terms with the Riddler and talks with the Joker trying to like get inside the head. Like I think I think he references Mindhunter kind of like get in get inside the head of a serial killer type scene um, talking to Joker like I don't know, like some Hannibal Lecter stuff. Um, and that scene was ultimately cut from the film because Reeves felt like he thought that the rest was captured, like that vibe of like trying to get inside the head of him was captured in other parts of the film. And as a result of that, he was also going to cut this scene from the movie too. But in test screenings, in test screenings, the rating of the ending went up a lot when An this empty scene brain was test audiences yeah. versus excluded. And so it was left in. And the point of this is saying that like, and who knows, right? Like it, a villain can be in your past and in your future, but the point of it, it seemed like was that there is his current picture of future movies does not include the Joker and that the Joker was his like first villain. It's already happened in the past and he was going to go see him and use him as a as a reference point for the Riddler in this and test audiences felt like this like looming threat of the Joker enhanced the ending with Catwoman because it gives more weight to the decision for Bruce to stay in Gotham versus no, going okay. upstate state no 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 with Selena.
1: test audiences liked it because oh it's the joker I love the joker they didn't they didn't like think about anything more deeper than that let's
0: be I'm just telling right you here. I'm just telling you what the explanation was for Matt Reeves about including it in the movie. It is a terrible scene. Well he scene. dresses up
1: real nice. Yeah.
0: It is an awful scene. Um I just don't I don't really have anything else to say. I'm really sad that Barry Keough... I mean like I'm actually sure that Barry Keough would be a great joker personally but It ain't not like this, guys. Not like this. The
1: time has come and gone for the Joker. We do not need the Joker anymore. We have moved on from the Joker. He should have been kite man in the cell next to him. Should should
0: have been calendar man, I think is what you meant to say. I mean him too. (laughs) Jay, anything you want to add?
2: I'm so tired of giving this brain space. I wish he hadn't included the scene. If he had included the other one, it might have made more sense, but I'm just like angrier to find out that like I like it makes me it actually makes me like Physically more angry to find out that like there was this other scene they cut it and then he was going to cut this but then ultimately yeah "Mm, like please like and it's just it's become such a talking point about the movie and this is why at the very beginning I was like I almost could not have been happier I just I really abhor how much time people are spending talking about this one scene because I think if you take it out like the movie like not only do you like shorten the bloated runtime a little bit but you know it just becomes better it can stay self-contained you don't need to tease that the Joker exists in this universe like it's fine you know we don't I'm with I'm with Scott Hardy like we don't need any more of it and I do think again he could play a great Joker someday I just I I just did not need this in my movie
0: yeah not interested I'm much more interested in, in villains frankly we haven't either seen in a long time like Mr. Freeze which I know is one that he's talked about a lot about wanting to include in future movies as well as the entire sort of court of owls, which you were already referencing Jay earlier on, and um, the look of of the Riddler's costume, much more interested in seeing something like the court of owls um, done, which I think is would be, an, especially because it fits the themes of you know this this what your who who what his history is and you know, what who his family is, what's the legacy of Gotham? Um, I think those are just so much more interesting things, and to be teasing the Joker, it feels like pure unadult. Maybe maybe it isn't. like Maybe the truth is that it is not this way, but it comes off as just pure, un- unadulterated like, fan-mongering, like, trying That's to get sure people to, to cheer about the Joker. Guys, we ju- just need to stop. I'm sorry. Barry, maybe one day, but this ain't it. Alright, guys, wrap up. Favorite scene or moment?
2: Yeah, it's tough, but I, I think I'll ultimately land on the aftermath of the Gotham Square Garden fight, or just, you know, Final set piece where again the flare shot up until when he kind of sets that person into the hospital stretcher and is talking about you know vengeance isn't quite going to be it and you know he like you know again like that just that it's it's so funny I feel like to talk about like yes like he passed this woman on the arm I keep saying woman I'm not entirely sure but like this person on the arm um, you know being like it's going to be okay in a way that again I feel like you capture that that humanity of Batman in that moment better than like any film before it has and so you know in the aftermath of all this like Gotham needs something more you know it just it really really worked for me
1: yeah I I guess my favorite moment that we haven't talked about because my favorite moment is probably the the shot from the trailer with him walking up and Giacchino's music and everything after the car chase Um, because it's preceded also by a great penguin moment of like him thinking that he has gotten away and, you know that he's killed batman basically and that you know he emerges from out of the flames but anyway um thumb drive
0: was great that was my favorite moment that we haven't talked about a great little bit
1: of like pitch black humor
0: there well that there's so on that point there's just so much about that right there's drive because in the car thumb drive drives into the mayor's funeral with the with the bomb there's just so much driving um around that clue which is really excellent then and my other
1: thing is at one point bruce does go through some like file folders of documents and you he guys does. know how much i love movies where people go through boxes of documents so this, this guy i'm the sure sunshine. there was
0: a moment where you were salivating because he's pushing tables out of the way to set up this area where you can go through everything he opens yep. some file drawers he even takes yep. one of them out i mean were you okay it was kind of amazing to see it in a in a big budget
1: superhero movie. but Do you uh, wish Mark time, Ruffalo
0: had been the Batman in this movie? Times are changing.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, I guess that would have been
0: the only thing better is if he had been Alfred. What if Mark Ruffalo had been James Gordon? I don't think he...
1: Look, I, you're not going to get me to say anything bad about Mark <laughs> Ruffalo, but I don't think he would have done it as good as, as uh, Jeffrey Wright. I don't.
0: I can't see Mark Ruffalo being Alfred either. I'm sorry. I don't know if I can see that. I can see him doing most anything, but yeah, I think... Uh, Okay, how about Joker? Think... <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> All right, I've had my fun. Um, yeah, my favorite scene, I, I like some of the the detective work um, that he's doing. So There's the crime scene stuff, definitely, but I, I think I'm actually going to go with some of the Iceberg Lounge stuff. Actually, I really like the scenes in the lounge. I think probably my favorite is actually not him in the lounge, but I guess um, Zoe Kravitz. And him working together as she goes downstairs, you see uh-huh, yeah. the sort of the CD underworld. I like that they like really committed to like showing certain scenes like actually from a POV of the characters. So like it's like through those contact lenses. I think that's really I mean, I assume it's just a GoPro, like basically <laughs> they've like thrown on someone's head or whatever. Uh, I don't know what they actually how they actually shot those scenes, but I really like those. And and yeah, to, to talk about something that's different than you know the big action set pieces, which do deliver like they 100 percent deliver. Um, Something like that was real fun because the detective work was really gratifying uh, to me in this movie. I thought they struck the balance really well. Look, it's not like groundbreaking stuff, um, but the fact that they were able to give that vibe is something that was really satisfying. Last piece of wrap up before we talk about scores. Do we want to even talk about where this ranks among Batman movies? It's too soon. Too soon? too soon from jay harvey
2: seemed like he might have something to say but
0: i mean i just haven't watched the older
1: ones in a long time i've never seen batman and robin but i um
0: you never seen mr freeze
1: no i haven't um i probably honestly i'd probably like batman and robin but um batman forever has been a long time
0: that's the the nipples one right is not that the nipple batman
1: returns it's been a long time I I mean, I like the the '89 Batman, but yeah, I mean, I think it's probably just below the Nolan trilogy at like initial reaction. Um, I have to think about whether I think it's better or worse than Lego Batman. That's like a weird comparison to make, but I do love both
0: of them. So we'll talk about. It's not as good as
1: any of the Nolan movies, in my opinion, but it's still great.
0: Yeah, it's for me. It's I don't know if I can if I can rank order them right now, but. It is in the conversation with the Nolan movies. Maybe not better than any of them, but it's in that tier of Batman movie for me, yeah. um, which is high praise coming from from this guy. Jay, you, now that we've both said our piece, do you want to say anything or do you want to still abstain? Totally fine if you want to abstain.
2: I mean, I'll, I'll pretty comfortably say it's in my top five, the other four being the three Nolan and then Batman 89. I'm going to say if, if anyone wants to Drop Lego Batman or Will Arnett's name, then I insist we include Kevin Conroy as well, and then it becomes a giant mess. Yeah,
1: I mean, Mask of the Phantasm counts, like, yeah.
2: No, sure. I'm like, if if you if you want to include Will Arnett, that's totally fine. But then we cannot have a conversation about animated Batman content without talking about Kevin Conroy. Um, totally. But I, I digress. We'll we'll stick to live action. You know, it's in my top five, maybe four. I don't.
0: Jay, what's your score out of ten?
2: Out of 10,
0: 9.3. Scott, your turn. 8.6 best uh, comic book movie since uh, uh, Avengers Endgame, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I haven't really thought about it through that lens. That's probably true for me. I'm trying to quickly run through because Into the Spider Verse was before Endgame. I mean, there was Old,
1: obviously, which was uh, definitely one of the best comic book movies,
0: but yeah. Uh... I don't even, I barely remember that movie, uh, honestly. I remember that they got old on a beach. That's all I remember. They did. Um 9.0. Great film. Really great film. Um really excited to rewatch it. I'm really excited to revisit it in the future. Um and maybe that at the end of the day that's what actually what I wanted most. I wanted a, a Batman Batman a new Batman movie that I wanted to rewatch. Um <laughs> I rewatched a couple bad Batman movies last year and realized I didn't want to rewatch them um ever again. So there you go. All right, Jay Thank you for joining us today. That will do it for our discussion of the Batman. You can catch Jay on a Countdown series later this year. And Scott actually mentioned one of the movies that will be in that Countdown series on this very podcast. Um, that is reviewing us reviewing the full filmography of writer, director, auteur, Wes Anderson, Jeffrey Wright, in The French Dispatch. Uh, so stay tuned for that later this year. But now let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll be talking about the SAG Awards. We'll be right back. Welcome back for part two of today's episode of Some Like It, Scott. As mentioned before the break, we have some awards stuff to talk about. Scott, the SAG Awards happened last weekend. The Ace Eddie Awards happened last night. I think there might have been another one, too. I don't remember. There's, like, craft awards happening right now. Indie Spirit Awards are tonight. Indie Spirit Awards are tonight. So talk to us about the updates for the Oscar race. Who won the awards?
1: Yeah, well, the Ace Eddie Awards, I'll briefly just say um, King Richard won for Dramatic. Uh, yeah, which tick, is tick, crazy. Um, and Tick, Tick, Boom, yeah, which is nominated for, I guess maybe King Richard is nominated for the Oscar as well. Um, it is, yep. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't really think that that has any impact on...
0: Your favorite Summer chances. of Soul won the documentary award?
1: Yes. um, As it should have. I can't imagine there's anything else that would have rivaled it, but, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, SAG Awards. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess the editing there is pretty striking, too, but... Um, all right. Uh, the the, the SAG Awards, um, uh, had maybe maybe gave us a clearer picture of the Oscar race in some categories, maybe muddied it up in some categories. I think it's fair to say. I think, as far as things which I am now fairly convinced are going to happen, uh, Will Smith Scott, I do believe, is going to win best actor for you. Thought uh, there was a chance someone else film, was
0: going to King for a little Richard. bit.
1: Uh, I mean, I thought Benedict Cumberbatch might have had a chance, but yeah, I think this has cemented it now. Yeah. Um, elsewhere, Scott, the other one I think is is locked in, as we kind of already thought. But Ariana Dubois winning for uh, best supporting actress uh, for playing Anita in West Side Story. Again, uh, she's been the front runner this entire award season, and I see no signs of her slowing down. I'm not sure there's really much to add there where things have gotten a little bit interesting scott um let's start with best supporting actor um and i have to say i do believe my perspective has come all the way around and i do believe that the sag winner of this award which is troy kotzer for coda is going to win the oscar as well and beat out the former front runner uh, cody smith McPhee from the power of the dog scott what do you think
0: I think I think there's a little bit of recency bias in the Scott. Like he's won one major award. And yes, Cody but Scott I think- has won every other award. I think
1: you have to have recency bias sometimes when coming when uh, you know thinking about the Oscars because a lot of it is about the campaigns and what sure. everyone is seeing and Troy Kotzer has been campaigned really hard by the the Coda team like harder than anything else. I think they realized that this is their best shot probably of winning something. Um, and so they have really campaigned hard for Troy Coner. I think it was a big moment on like social media and everything like him winning, obviously he's hearing impaired. He has, you know, an interpreter giving his speech for him. It was a nice speech. He's very charismatic. Um, I think people want to give Coda something. Maybe we can talk in a second about whether it has any shot at Best Picture after winning the big award on the night. I personally think it doesn't. Um, so I think that he has now. He is now the front runner for me. Uh, and I think some of it just like. I don't know. Power of the dog. Like, I still think it's going to win best picture, like I do, but um, it just doesn't feel like people are talking about it as much as they're talking about Coda and as much as they're talking about Troy Kotzer, certainly.
0: Yeah, I, I only hesitate to put too much weight on the guilds because it's just one part of the academy. And not everyone yeah. in SAG is even part of the academy. So that's where my only hesitation is. I think that the race is closer. I think that, that Troy Kotzer. Maybe he is a slight, slight favorite after this win on betting odds. I haven't looked at like the actual odds on Gold Derby and stuff like that. I don't think that I could say with confidence that he would win this award right now. Um, certainly, Rose. It, certainly, his stock is rising. Absolutely, trend wise, going up. But it's just one guild, um, and I think that Cody Smith McPhee is probably going to resonate more with people and his performance. Um, And frankly, I think all of the stuff that happened last week with Sam Elliott um, versus (laughs) versus Jane Campion is actually probably doing that movie some good because I think it's actually back in the conversation again about how one stupid Sam Elliott sounded. Um, But two, how powerful of a film, the power of the dog actually is. Um, And I think Cody Smith McPhee has always been sort of front and center in the acting side of things for for them pushing in that category. So I think he's still got a good chance um you know maybe it's closer to 50 50 than it was before um but i'm not sold that Kotzer's is going to win the oscar
1: fair enough uh just you know go look up the hashtag kotzer for oscar that's all i'm saying it's it's been popping recently but
0: uh twitter's two percent yeah. of the u.s population
1: it's gonna it's gonna be close um it, it is gonna be close so that you know again it Some suspense on Oscar night, which will be nice. Where there's really going to be suspense, Scott, is Best Actress, because who the hell knows who is going to win this award? Like, I I can't remember the last time that a race has been so wide open. I think maybe the year that Christoph Waltz won for Best Supporting Actor for um, his performance in the Django Unchained. Um, That's probably not the most recent example But like that that is just one that comes to mind Where it was like we had no idea Um, It could have gone to any of them That's how it feels with Best Actress right? Like we thought Nicole Kidman was maybe a slight favorite um, But if she can't win at
0: the SAG Awards I mean that is the award she definitely should have won
1: Nicole Kidman Obviously Olivia Coleman's name Just carries a lot of weight in the last few years Her being nominated for um, The Lost Daughter Uh, But neither one of those people took home the award for uh, Best Actress at the Sags. That went to Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. um, And a movie that I have not seen, to be fair. Um, What certainly looks like a sort of standard hair and makeup job biopic performance. But again, I don't want to say too much without having seen the movie. Um, But a little (laughs) shocking, maybe a safe choice. Probably a bit of a safe choice, honestly, again, just based on... um, reviews and everything and just the impression i get of the eyes of tammy faye it doesn't seem to be taking any major risks with the the standard biopic pick format or performances but um you know playing a real person scott we'll say it again time and time again until it like is no longer the case but playing a real person wins you oscars Um, why do you
0: think lady gaga wanted to be uh, patrizia reggiani it's a real person
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, And obviously, you know, Nicole Kidman does play a real person, in being the Ricardo. She plays
0: Lucille Ball. Um, But
1: I don't know. Like, again, I I wish I could say I had even an inkling about who's going to win this. But like, Nicole Kidman... You would think, like, yeah, if she can't win the SAGs, that's a bad sign. I still think she's in com- in the conversation. Chastain now has to be considered to be in the conversation, and I still think Olivia Colman could beat both of them, even though she hasn't really won anything thus far. She's um,
0: certainly a darling with the Academy, which again yeah. is a much larger body than SAG. So,
1: yeah, so it's it's pretty crazy, and you have Penelope Cruz, right? Like, I think Penelope Cruz is might could even be a sleeper for this right because the international films i don't i don't believe that they were eligible in the sag awards like this right because i don't think she was nominated was she either um is that that's not parasite that's won. not true though because parasite won for best ensemble i guess she, maybe she was nominated for parallel mothers um maybe i'm thinking about the golden Globes where they have the weird rules it the
0: golden Globes movies. does have it's the weird rules about yeah. that but i mean um, penelope cruz is was not nominated in at the sag awards but was okay. at the oscars Jennifer Hudson is the fifth nominee um, yeah. at the SACs. I,
1: st- I still think Penelope Cruz cannot be counted out. Um,
0: That'd be cool. Just, I, be down. I
1: think people are are just now getting around to watching Parallel Mothers and um, seem to be responding positively to it. So, uh, again, I think it's just part of this race is completely up in the air. I, I Aside from Kristen Stewart, who I think the nomination is the win for her here, um, I don't really think. I can't see her stealing it, but who knows? Um, random things could happen. Uh, but it's yeah, chaos. I don't know. You, I could see anyone think, winning this award. <laughs> yeah. Do you think Jessica Chastain is the front runner now, or what?
0: No, no, I don't think Jessica Chastain is the front runner. I do think that. I don't think anyone is is a favorite. Like honestly, if that, if that's a thing. Like I, I feel like there's like close to even odds on several of these. I think. I think Olivia Coleman has like the Oscars weight, and so she gets a bunch, even though she hasn't won you know, one of any of the major awards. I think she has weight with the Oscars carries, carries some heft. I mean, Nicole Kidman, I think she's the biggest loser in this because I, again, like if you can't win the SAG awards for playing an actress, like, I don't know if you're going to win the Oscar. Like I just, I know for a while people thought that she was the favorite, but I think that, that that's a huge blow for her not to win the SAG. Honestly, I think she actually probably her stock has probably fallen the most from this. Um, you know, Jessica Chastain Andy. maybe maybe taking the place of of um Nicole Kidman in terms of stock up, stock down type, type moves here. Kristen Stewart, you say, doesn't have a chance. I don't know, man. I think Kristen Stewart might have a chance. I think she's got I think she's got as good a chance as um Penelope Cruz does. And if you think Penelope Cruz is in the running, I think that Kristen Stewart is.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe again, it's just completely up in the air. I would love to see Kristen Stewart win it.
0: But I, again, I, and I don't know how much of this
1: plays a factor, but like Nicole Kidman, Olivia Colman, and Penelope Cruz are all previous Oscar winners, right? Jessica Chastain has been nominated several times, but has never won. Oh. Um,
0: I don't maybe know that, if, if Oscar voters think about that anymore.
1: Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say, is like, it seems like in recent years, that has mattered less. Like Glenn Close, obviously losing to Olivia Colman in her first nomination. Um, yeah. Sylvester Stallone well I mean he hadn't really been nominated a lot of times before but you know it was one of those legacy Oscars or whatever but um, yeah Chastain again if if voters think about that Chastain I guess has that going for her right that she is like okay yeah. we've nominated for her several times before like this is probably like her fourth nomination maybe for uh, the Oscars or something close to it but um, but yes and, and you know if they think about it then they might say, well, let's spread the wealth to her. Let's not give it to, you know, one of these people who has already won before. Uh, It's another number Okay, Okay, well, uh, yeah, but Best Actress, Wild wild Race. And I'm excited about that again, because like in the internet age, it feels like most of the major categories are already decided when we usually get to the Oscars. We're not going to know, I feel like we're not going to have any idea about whose name is going to come out of the mouth of the presenter until that, that moment on Oscar E because like, I don't think that the, you know, the, um, critics choice awards, which are still to come are really going to offer any sort of insight whatsoever because also critics aren't the ones voting
0: voting in soon. The critics choice awards may not have an effect because I think voting might be done. Oh, well that,
1: that too. But anyway, like the critics aren't really voting for the Oscars. So,
0: um, it's narrative though.
1: It is narrative. Sure. Um, the last thing scott is to talk about the ensemble right this is the big prize at the sag awards this is their equivalent of best picture and coda did win that against uh, uh, you know amidst some pretty weak nominees um you know those being king richard belfast don't look up um and i forget what the, the other one was but um something similarly uninspiring um but Coda got the win. Coda was probably the best choice of, of the nominees. Uh, House of Gucci was the other one. That's right.
0: Um, Uninspiring, you say?
1: Yeah, House of Gucci, which isn't even nominated for Best Picture. So I, I don't think you can really read too much into this. Some people are, are again, some people are freaking out saying, oh, Coda's the frontrunner for Best Picture now and whatnot. If you listen to the big picture, Joanna Robinson was trying to make some points as to why she thinks Coda is going to win now. I think there are pretty bad points, if you ask me. But um Other people have wisely pointed out that um, look at the movies that have won best ensemble over like the last decade. It includes some movies that weren't even close to best picture though. Of course, Parasite was in there, but uh, like Hidden Figures won for best ensemble. Um, There are quite a few others. Again, I think more often than not in the last decade, the movie that has won for best ensemble did not win for uh, best. Like, I mean, obviously Nomadland didn't win best ensemble, um last year not really an ensemble movie. yeah yeah it's not really an ensemble movie i mean I, I guess it kind of is if you think consider the you know all the nomads and everything but it's not what i would have expected to even get nominated um so and and the power of the dog right which again I, I, on the other hand like i think the power of the dog very easily could have been at best ensemble like unlike nomadland right like I, it has a legitimate you know six seven major actors i think major players it's as it. much of
0: an ensemble as coda is
1: yeah absolutely um and it wasn't nominated for this award um so yeah i again i don't i, I think that the power of the dog is still the front runner and i don't think that this really says much except you know he gave us a nice feel-good moment right um and coda yeah maybe coda is is taking over this third spot best picture spot that we've kind of been speculating a lot about like is there a, a third horse in the race after belfast or after and after power of the dog maybe does this take it above belfast i don't I was know i say i think belfast
0: um, stocked down i think it's safe to say yeah yeah
1: that's that's entirely possible i mean it didn't win any of the the awards. Uh, I guess
0: do fast going to get blanked. On Oscar Knight and
1: um, Kieran Hines were both nominated at the sacks, but um but yeah, I I don't know. It's it's possible. I still think they're going to
0: do something stupid like give Kenneth Branagh best director. Um they're not can, no. No. I'll buy you I, I'll buy I, I'll pay for pizza on on Oscar night if, if that well, happens. I, yeah,
1: I mean, look, I st- again, I still think Jane Campion is going to win. But like, if there's going to be a second choice, I could see him being. We're not even watching who gets okay.
0: Best Picture, Scott. If 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 Kenneth Branagh wins Best Director,
1: yeah, we're turning we it much off. Know at that point, but um, we're turning it off. Yeah, um, but anyway, uh, I don't know. But anyway, I still think I still think uh, Power of the Dog is the front runner. Belfast and Coda may be the next next two up in, in whatever order you want them. But I don't really think that this says a whole lot as far as Coda challenging the power of the dog in that
0: top spot. If um, Kenneth Branagh wins best director, do you think Coda wins the best picture?
1: Um, maybe that's a, that's a more interesting question. Um, Obviously, Sean Heater is nominated for direct. I think it will. I think we'll have to see what happens in screenplay, right? Because aren't they both in the same, aren't they both in original screenplay? So I think that would probably be a good, yeah. I think that's correct. I think it's the, the two of them and then King Richard, Licorice Pizza, and Worst Person in the World. I think those are the nominees in original screenplay, but um, yeah, uh, so we'll see um i don't know that if if that's the scenario we're playing out
0: the screenplay might determine who wins it uh, uh, no scott you forgot uh, don't look up as investor original screenplay so what what did i mess up on then? coda is not investor original screenplay it's an adapted i think that is an adapted screenplay actually yeah it's me... definitely nominated
1: for screenplay so then yeah i mean maybe it won't like maybe that won't be the decider then if they're in different categories but um but yeah uh that's that's all there is to say, I guess, about the the SAG awards, Scott. Uh anything that you want to add?
0: No, I, I think the yeah, the big conversation is around those the you know lead actress and supporting actor category. Um I'm excited that two of them feel undecided at this point. Yeah, Coda is in best adapted screenplay with Drive My Car, The Lost Daughter, Power of the Dog, and Dune. Yeah. Um,
1: which it's <laughs> I don't know. It's probably. I, I want to say it. it's going to have an uphill battle there, uh, probably against um, Power of the Dog and Lost Daughter. Also, I think has some push in yeah. screenplay, but um, we'll yeah. know soon enough, Scott. We're just can explain. Dune win Best Picture, um,
0: Scott? Can Dune win Best Picture?
1: No, I don't. I, I don't think so. I think Dune's stock is fading, like I do. Um, I, I don't think it's that. being discussed as much as at a certain point like again again there was a brief moment where we thought maybe it had the third slot or whatever um yeah but i think it's going to be hard the lack of director nomination is not a great sign for it um but it will definitely win some below the line awards as it as it deserves for sure um yeah it might win all the below the line awards it will go home with some some oscars
0: Um, it wouldn't surprise me if dune ends up with the most oscars yeah, this year. I don't know. I
1: kind of. Hope, I. I. I do hope West Side Story wins for cinematography, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's due. But all right, Scott. Uh, that should do it. I think for this episode.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now that is definitely it for episode 182. It was a long one, but good discussions all around, both parts. I think. Any parting thoughts to leave us with today? Um, go firm, and I
1: guess we'll see what Wait, happens. So they
0: have two games today. When? When is the? When is no, the final the, game? The final is tomorrow. Would you come? Are right. you going to go back tomorrow? We will see. Oh, thinking uh, about it, he's getting yeah, greedy. I, I've
1: definitely been thinking and dreading about it because it would involve me, obviously driving back tonight, going to work tomorrow morning, leaving it all again little, tomorrow, leaving work a little bit early, driving two and a half hours back, and going to the game, which they could very well lose because they'll probably be playing Chattanooga, who's the top seed, so.
0: But if you don't go and they win,
1: if I don't go and they win, then I'll hate myself forever. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's a tough. I don't envy that decision. Uh, you should just go. I mean, I think obvious, I probably will too. Know. Like, I
1: I don't know when else I'll I'll be able to go in my life. Yeah. Like, who knows? Like, this is the time, if there is ever a time, I feel like this would be it. But they got to win tonight first, which is no guarantee. So
0: uh, maybe there won't even be a decision for you to make. Exactly. All right. Where can people find you on Twitter, Letterboxd, et etc.? You can find me at Scarvy Dent on all of the above and serialized. I've
1: reviewed oh. a couple TV shows. So.
0: Batman recently. themed. I, I, I always forget that your Twitter handle is Batman themed and then There it, it is. is yeah. uh, mm-hmm. So appropriate for today's podcast. You can find me at Shelton2013 on Twitter Letterboxd and serialized as well. I think I I think I've reviewed a couple TV shows recently. I don't remember. I reviewed Euphoria. euphoria that yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah. Oh Euphoria. What a good time. It's he, podcast. He, people are getting People are getting too upset about Euphoria, I feel feel like. They just need to relax. I agree. Everyone needs to relax about Euphoria. All right. You can also check out our podcast at Patreon at www.patreon.com slash MediaPlugPods. You can support us over there. We would really appreciate that. And if not, you can still find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, et cetera, where I have finally figured out how to remove those really annoying numbers at the beginning of the podcast that will never happen again now. Praise the Lord. Um, so check us out over there if you're not on Patreon Um, Yeah, thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us chat about the Batman and we'll be back next week with a review of Pixar's next outing that's Turning Red Uh, that's the Red Panda movie which you know will probably be cute I don't know I felt like I I was very iffy on Luca and I was going into it and ended up really enjoying that and I feel the same about Turning Red I'm a little iffy going into it but uh, Pixar doesn't normally disappoint so we'll see how that goes we hope you'll join us then but until then for Jay Habib and Scott Harvey, I'm Scott Shelton. We'll see you yeah. next time. See you down the road.